excited for this chat today with Mel Ivy. Um, and it's such a wonderful timing. Um, as you know, this is the Her Many Voices Lunch and Learn. Today's October 11th, 2021. And today is two things that are relevant to our conversation. Today is Indigenous Peoples Day, and it is also National Coming Out Day. And that is normally on the 11th and the, they happen to overlap this year, which is beautiful because we are really committed to honoring all peoples, really honoring and respecting all peoples. So Melissa, I don't know if you wanna uh, introduce yourself first or address that topic right away, just how cool it is that that's today or sing. Yeah. I sing um, your guitar. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I, you know, I, I do want to say something. I want to thank everybody who's out there watching and celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day, uh, first of all. Um, it's it's such an honor to be amongst community. And I feel you all out there. I know, I know I can't see you all, but I definitely feel the energy. So thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And yes, National Coming Out Day. I mean, two parts of my life that are very kind of um, subversive sometimes being celebrated at once. So thank you for recognizing uh, the full embodiment that I can bring to this conversation today. Yeah, um, that's beautiful. Yeah. Also, I want to mention that uh, the, your, that is your beautiful voice singing the Her Many Voices theme that played at the beginning of our show. So thank you for doing that as well and for everything you do for her many voices. We'll talk about that in a minute, but first, do you want to introduce yourself or? Sure. Uh, my name is Melissa Ivy, uh, AKA MZ Ivy, the musical doula. And I identify as a two spirit Taino queen. Yes. I am embracing my royalty right here. <laughs> I've also been adopted into this beautiful family um, by Alicia Fall and I, I have been encouraged and invited to understand what being indigenous, what being an artist, what being an indigenous artist means. And I, we're going to talk about rewilding. And uh, I really thank a lot of my rewilding to Alicia Fall and uh, the way that she moves in the world and the way that it affects me as her child. Um, so I do a lot of work in my community. I'm also known as a musical doula, which means, yes, I birth songs and I assist birthing humans uh, during childcare, during during uh, during the creation of the spirit, inviting the spirit through their bodies in altar building, in uh, ritual and then through the ritual of birth. So that's one of the many things that I do. And I'm that's really excited. Beautiful. Yeah. That's really, really beautiful, Melissa. Yeah. Um, and I think we'll, you know, hear more about all of these things as we chat here over the next hour. Um, thank you for the introduction. Um, 
I think of you as having so many incredible roles that are around self-expression and being your authentic self. And you are such a role model for those, for that. You know, you're, you're a musician, a true professional musician. You are an activist. And that's the artivist, you know, artivist term. Um, you're an absolute representative for Native, Ameri Native Americans, you know, for, um, for mental health. Uh, for sobriety, you know, you're you're really a role model in so many ways. So I'm really excited to dive into our conversation more. Thank you, Anna. Thank you yeah. for the space. So you mentioned that you uh, actually would. Let's start with you talking about your role in Haiti with Her Many Voices. So we can just tie that in for all of our people who are Her Many Voices, um, mm -hmm. you know, fans and supporters. Yes. Well, you know, my mother tells her story in probably the best way possible. But if I could surmise, um, we all thought my mother had gone a little bit mad when she decided to put all of her belongings in storage and put all of her love and her efforts into sustainability building in Haiti. Um, and so I remember the first time she went down there how affected she was when she came back and there was this new light behind her eyes and there was this new mission. And one of the things that she shared is that when she went down there in this essence of wanting to help, she wanted to have conversation first and she wanted to ask, is it okay if I help? How can I be of service? What does that look like? And, you know, being in, a, in my early 30s at the time, very formative, kind of still gauging the world by watching what your parents do and don't do in the world. Her taking a step uh, in hope and belief and seeing something that wasn't there, I think, unites us as artists. And so when she invited me to go with her maybe a year or two in, I have to say I was, I was a little, um, I didn't quite feel prepared. Um, not just in the like packing my bag sense, but mentally, emotionally, because I knew that the shift that I had seen that we had all had seen in her was going to be rippling onto me. And so that first trip to Haiti exposed me to a world and to a, a community in which I had not even imagined existed. Um, to the beauty and the love that is there, to the hardships that the people have to endure. My, my family, I consider these people my, my siblings. And to be taken in by the Wynn family and so many other families that, that loved us and, and fed us and helped us understand how we could best be in service with them. So I have to, I have to, I look back at that trip and it was like a coming of age ceremony for me. I remember a moment being on this beautiful beach and my mother was sitting to the side with the group of women that had walked. Some of them had walked for 
a day, half a day to join this meeting because they heard this woman, this Alicia was coming and, and the word spread out. And so there was all these women, all these grandmothers, all these mothers, all these aunties. And my mother was just listening and, and having translation in her ear and, and really listening with her heart. And I was a few meters over with the children and I had brought in my, uh, not a tape recorder, but modern day tape recorder, audio recorder. And so I was recording the children's voices and putting the headphones on them and they were listening to their voices for the first time and they would laugh and giggle. And I remember thinking I'm on this side of the circle right now, playing with the children and and uh, being a child myself, even though I was, you know, 30 something and looking over and knowing that I would make the bridge between what the conversations and the ideas and the hopefulness that they had and the actions that they would take in the 13 years that it's been and these children and the future. Um, and so it, there, there was a lot of things that happened on that trip, but that moment is so vivid. And um, yeah. what a, what a lovely description of Alicia, right. <laughs> and, and, and the impact she makes and that she knows listening is more important than anything by to understand, right. What they really needed. Um, that was right, right after the earthquake on January 12th in 2020, I know. And so you guys have been working in Haiti for 11 years um, which is amazing. And I want to mention that Haiti right now is also in a state of crisis because of the president being who, uh, the execution that happened there and the, the things are just completely destabilized there again. And so for those of you involved with her many voices, please touch base with Alicia about what you can do to help right now, uh, around security for the wind farm in particular. Um, so thank you for sharing that. You also uh, have an official role there as well, right? Yes, I'm the arts education and program director. Yeah. And just this morning, I was thinking so many forms that activate and elevate the program. Um, my mentorship program has taken from working in my home state in Denver, Colorado, at you know things like the African Community Centers, um, tons of Denver public schools, probably too many to mention. And then the nonprofits that we find sister relationships with, um, that we don't need to reinvent the wheel of what they're doing, but we can add a little bit of that empowerment or mentorship. Um, so that has been really a whole journey of its own. And I never thought that it would take me to places like uh, LA working with adults with developmental, uh, you know, um, abilities. And, and for, in my opinion, they have special abilities. They have like superhuman powers. Um, I mean, if you're thinking of it as an artist, like these are some of the best minds around and, you know, going to places like, uh, Germany and Iceland and, and meeting with the elders and listening and then, meeting with the younger folks who are doing similar activism work in their, their individual fields. And then always spending time with the children, always spending time. Yeah. I love it because they're giving us like, like an on the ground snapshot of what's really, what it's really like to work with Harmony Voices at that level. So I think that's really beautiful. 
It, and it's really like what needs to be done. I remember my last trip in Haiti, which I think was the fourth time I had gone. I felt like I was in my, like my master's program as an artivist, as an activist, because one moment I'd be learning from Jane Wynn about which flowers and which herbs to pick and, and when to pick them and how to process and harvest them. And then I would be sitting uh, and, and cooking and learning about how to, you know, love myself from the inside out, from, from the grandmothers and the aunties. And then this group of young boys heard that there was this musician in town. And so they brought a song to me. And then all of a sudden I became music producer and I set my, you know, computer up. And so all in one day, it was, you know, the best of master classes from masters and using my own tools in that trickle down, you yes. know, love soul cash economy. Right. That is awesome. Great. So, you know, when we were, um, prepping for this call, there were several topics we talked about, and I'd like you to choose, you know, what direction we go at this point. So please just uh, share with us whatever aspect you'd like, and I'll keep, I'm keeping track of our list. And so please just, you know, would you like to talk about rewilding now or, or, um, you know, any of the mental health issues, whatever, wherever you'd like to go? Yeah. You know, I wrote something this morning that I would love to share, um, if that's okay. Um, yesterday I spent all day here in beautiful Taos, New Mexico with two writer, artists, poet, activists um, who are really inspirations to me and I, I get to call them friends as well and we spent all day rewilding ourselves in true authentic conversation and connection in nature, just in silence under the skies. And we found a, a private little hot spring, which I will not mention the name, so it remains private. And we found ourselves alone in this beautiful uh, sanctuary of nature. And as I thought about it this morning, uh, this is kind of what came to mind. To honor my land, I must rewild myself. I must observe my steps and be mindful of each motion, slowing down my breath, my eyes. Remove my perception of other and become the water, become the wind, become the song. From this sacred space is where I activate my creative consciousness. From this space is where I created, activate, and elevate a mentorship program that has taken many forms in those communities I aforementioned. And I am honored to share my family's knowledge, wisdom, and invite you to, to be the medicine. Absolutely. We, we, um, I appreciate that invitation. I realize it's, it's not for me, it's for everyone who's listening to, to step in and step up and step into our individual roles in really making a difference. Um, 
So that's beautiful. Um, what's another, can you share with us more about the definition of rewilding? Well, I think it's a, a concept that another one of my future ancestors and I talk about Sedona in that when we were brought up in, in this society, we weren't really taught how close to nature we really are. And through our, all of our many conversations, we explored the idea of what if you were told in kindergarten instead of twinkle, twinkle, little star, like twinkle, twinkle, you are that star. And this is how you belong in the life and birth cycle. Right? Mm -hmm. And so that invitation as an activist um, to maybe examine uh, how I'm spending my time, how I'm taking information, and being a mentor, how can I slow that down? and really concentrate that information to then open and, and explain to the next generation or be a bridge builder between uh, my my elders, right? This yeah. is what kids are talking about to my, to my elder, like, well, this is what the older folks are talking about, right? So for me, I use meditation, I use breath work, and I use just an opportunity to slow down and observe nature, observe that bird, observe that tree and truly identify like you are that you are. A, we are all indigenous people of this earth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. Um, could you share kind of the definition of future ancestors and, and tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so Future Ancestors was this idea that I kept kind of coming back to with my doula work. And I also do um, DEFLA work. So you're- you know, We have a little static. I wonder, is everything, are you, um, is there a cable or anything? I don't know. Your cell phone, move your cell phone. <laughs> It happens. It happens all the time. <laughs> Let's see. It. I had to let my dog out a minute ago. The dog is in the room. Oh, here she comes again. <laughs> nice. All right, let's try that. Um, so the future ancestors is really an idea that I was thinking about after I had attended um, a death, a, a passing of an ancestor, of an older older person who lived a beautiful life and left a beautiful family. And I got to be with them for their last uh, week of life and, and serve and honor and care for them um, just because it, it's what was needed. So I actually flew from LA to Denver um, to do this work. And I thought how beautiful it was to witness that side of life coming to the completion. And as difficult as it is to hold space, especially while the family is processing, it was quite an honor. And so I was thinking about 
this family and their lineage and all the ancestors that would come after this woman. And, and I started to think of my own family and all the ancestors. And so as a time traveler, I started thinking of myself as a future ancestor. And so what would I want to change or what would I want to do or not do knowing that someday somebody is going to be thinking of me on that other side and I'm going to leave a trail of, of loved ones behind, whatever that looks like, right? Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's, it's a new way of expressing your life cycle. Thinking about each action, not only the seven generations that you can heal that came before you, but the seven generations and more that will come after you. Yeah. So that's the root of every future ancestor song. It's the root of the play that Sedona and I are writing. And um, it's the root and the ideal that I bring into my doula work when I'm working with the babies that are still being, you know, grown um, in giving them their power and their energy as their future ancestor, even yeah. uh, in embryonic form. We will be listening for when you're ready to perform future ancestors. I absolutely can't wait. Um, I want to mention that the seven generations is a reference to indigenous cultures and, and the idea that, please correct me if I'm wrong, the idea that everything we do in life, we need to consider the next seven generations to come. Um, and you mentioned, of course, it's even more than that. Um, is that right? Yeah. And scientifically, you know, I, I always love the folklore and the, the mysticism. And then I love science. So if we look at the science, right, we know that through epigenetics, we are copies of our parents. Makes sense, right? We are also copies of their memories. And this serves our life cycle um, in so many different ways, not only to keep us alive, you know, but to know which medicines to use. So that's in, I believe that's in a written part of my DNA. And the more I spend time with plants, the more I research medicines, the more I just naturally on a walk will gravitate towards that raspberry leaf, towards that sage, towards that chamomile, those things that maybe my body needs. So it's, it's really a way of being in tune as well. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, everything you say, I'm like, that's beautiful, Melissa. <laughs> um, and it's true. I love this tie that you've brought up about the tie to nature and the sacredness of nature and that nature is self-healing and because we are sacred as well and all of nature is sacred and and living that it there's a unity right there's a, a oneness that literally is true we're connected to everything that's living um so when you say rewilding and describe your time in taos it makes me think of all of that all of those truths you know, yeah. all of those truths and how important they are. And maybe now more than ever that we remember 
that we're all connected and we don't need all this disconnection with each other and with nature and and all of that. I think it's a really important topic right right this minute. And you know, I want to I want to echo something that I heard from a community member that nature has no trash. Mm. Everything becomes compost. Everything yeah. comes back, right? Goes back and comes back. Yeah. And so if we can think about our lives and even our uh, our traumas and our resistance in, in relationships where, where there's a, maybe a disconnect or a miscommunication, and we can look at those things and say, how can we make this compost serve us if it's not together? Um, but I think there always is a way within, and now I'm talking mycelium, within the mycelium network, even if we decide to take my compost and your compost and we decide to separate them, we're still connected. Mm -hmm. And the mycelium is still going to help give me that nutrient that you have and the extra nutrient that I have is going to be resourceful. So I love looking at uh examining some of the individual and you were talking about mental health, which is a, a part of the, the, you know, myself, my shadow work that I've had to take part in at very actively and very diligently. And if I think about those traumas and those things that have happened to me, I'm the kind of person that does turn them into compost. It may take several seasons, Myrna. <laughs> Yeah. Eventually, those things that you, I think about, um, and I'll just be radically honest and let you all know I'm going to talk about drug use and that may be tra triggering or tra traumatic to you. And if you'd like to come back later, feel free to do so. But I was reexamining my drug use and at a young age, why I fell into some of the things that I was into. And I think it was really trying to replace a need for ceremony, mm. a need for ritual. Mm -hmm. And so as I think about these things that I was doing and trying to enact, it has made me the person that I am and it has made me stronger. And I do not wish that, you know, oh, I wish none of that would have happened because it has made for some great compost. And I think that some of my story may not need to be relived through some of the younger future ancestors. Mm. And maybe it does. Mm -hmm. So as a mentor, it's very interesting to share some of the substance abuse at a age appropriate, you know, level, mm -hmm. but to be open with it. And then I, I feel like it, it creates such a large engagement for true authentic connection. And I have these young people talking to me about, well, what can I do instead of self-harm? Well, what can I do instead of wanting to do substances? Mm -hmm. And so that conversation, um, I'm so excited to offer even more space as I work my tools. You know. Right. As you evolve even further and dive even deeper into your own healing. Right? And have listened to so many other people's stories as well. And that shared common need for community, yeah. for ritual, 
for people to see and acknowledge not just like cool t-shirt nice earrings yeah. but like, there's something in your eyes that have changed tell me yeah. about that there's something different about your smile let's yeah. let's really have that conversation right? you know, so that's the- what I'm excited about in this new new chapter of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know uh, there's research out there that one of the sources of addiction, one of the underlying uh, sources of addiction is lack of connection to others. And you had mentioned lack of connection to ritual and ceremony. And I think it's like, which also could be this lack of connection to other living humans on that authentic level, like you just said, right? Beyond, oh, you look so cute today. I love your jewelry. Yeah. I mean, it's, we need that kind of connection as humanity. And, um, and I think that's one of the underlying causes for people using whatever their addiction is. Right. And there's millions of them things. (laughs) Um, So I also want to mention the wisdom of trauma, which is a newer documentary by Gabor Mate, Mm -hmm. Uh, really phenomenal work where he is saying that trauma is not what happened to us. It's what happened it, it's how we react to what happens to us and that, you know, the healing, of course, is, is possible um, when you connect on a one on one humanity level, too, you know. And I think when we can say. Um, it's not that I was hurt, it's usually with addicts, it's that I was left alone with the hurt. Yeah. And so yeah. if you don't know how to if you don't know a coping mechanism you pick up what you see or what you think could solve and heal that. Yeah. Um, and so the more I find sober community and the more I, I talk about my experience and my struggles um, with alcohol, with substances, the more I find people that kind of come to me, like it's almost backstage or in a private message or in a private email, not in a public post that are like, hey, I have that scar too. And, and you know, what kind of Band-Aid did you use? Did you use this? Did you use that? You know, we start talking about these things and then it's creating a whole other connection. Then I have to say when I was a very public, uh, celebrated, uh, you know, musician figure um, and nobody knew the trauma, nobody knew the hurt, nobody could recognize, oh, I'm watching an alcoholic on stage right now. Like, wow, I've just seen this little tiny person do six shots of whiskey. And like, should I be concerned, you know? Um, So now kind of on the other side of it, working as an advocate with younger artists, just notice, be mindful, you know? is the party having you or are you having the party? Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Um, we were talking about mental health as well, right? About, um, I mean, I, I, I just want, would love for there to be more awareness around true mental health, you know, being healthy. And I think the subject we were on was that, you know, there's a continuum. And on one side, all the way over is sort of a lack of self-esteem. And then we get to like the really healthy, confident zone. And then we get over into arrogance and narcissism and then psychopath, right? Like everyone in the planet is somewhere on that continuum. And I think we move around 
a lot according to, you know, what, what we're talking about or what area of life we're in and, you know, how evolved we are, how much we've done the personal work. It's, it's really, really fascinating to me, this subject. And, but it's important for us to recognize where we are, but also where other people are in our lives because they are going to influence us. And there's a lot of harm that can be done that way. I know for me, for, for a lot of people, it's, there's not even the awareness that's happening sometimes. Um, you know, and so I think for me, mental health awareness is educating people to learn more about the subject in their relationships, right? In all of their relationships, especially close relationships. Um, so I don't know if you want to say anything about that. Yeah, you know, I, I have to check my privilege because mental health and having access to mental health is a privilege, in my life, to be able to do so much shadow work, to do things like go to yoga school and go to breath work school and get scholarships at Neurosculpting Institute, I, these are all privileges. I'm just showing you them. Most people <coughs> excuse me. Most people are caught up in the survival of day to day. Yeah. <clears throat> so a $200 therapy session. Yeah. A $3,000 investment in your mental health. I mean, that is a privilege right there. Yeah. Um, the it's, not even, that, it's not even possible for a lot of people, most people. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, a lot of young parents, they don't know what they don't know. And so we're all just doing our best. That's for sure. <laughs> right? We're all just doing our best. But it, but mental health is such a huge privilege. And when I was seeking different people, it's also very difficult to find a person of color, a queer, uh, you know, therapist, uh, a queer psycho, a psychoanalyst, a, a queerist, right? Like all those is, and to have a trans community, black queer trans community. I mean, I wish that there was a school just for the psycho psychologists, just for the doctors of that demographic to help that community because that is the community that I am feeling is just gets lost. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different, you know, white therapists that I've gone to that just don't understand my culture, don't understand gender, don't understand non-binary. Mm -hmm. Think that because I look the way I am, that I identify a certain way um, without that conversation. And so <laughs> I've, I've heard from a lot of my POC friends, um, we end up needing therapy from the therapist, you know? And so there needs to be more of us speaking out. There needs to be more of us holding space. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I won't pretend to be. I don't, I'm, ne I'm not a medical person. I never have claimed to be. 
However, sitting with someone and holding that space with no judgment, with no, if that were me, with now in, inserting my story about my whatever. And, and those are some of the things that I've received, I mean, really from Alicia from the first time. And then from people like Tamra Kantab and then people like Chantel and people like Aisla who have held space without any of their interference or without them coloring you in okay. And we also talked about the Wonder Woman syndrome yesterday, how just because you maybe can help, should you, mm. right? And so there's so many things that we, we look at mental health and it's sometimes it's someone's process to go through that experience and it can look like several different things. And so, you know, when do we know when to lean in? When do we know how to get consent? And I think the more we talk about consent, the easier that it's going to be for people who don't trust therapists, who don't trust the couch and don't want to lay down, to have a mentor, a community grandmother, a community uncle, um, safe people to hold these spaces. And isn't that ritual? Isn't that what our communities were doing? Well, these people went off and hunted and these people yeah. the baskets and these people prepared the what the homes or the fish or the, or the babies, we were all having these little mental health check-ins, right? So now we have to pay for it and we need to take time aside and we need to write it into our schedules. Um, and, and it's not such a, a force of habit unless you ask for consent. And on a regular basis, I have told my bandmates, I've told my partner, I've told, you know, my, my musical partners, I need help in the following ways. <laughs> Are you able to do those things or can you do it this week? You know, and so those offerings of consent, when you find yourself getting the blues or wanting to disassociate, mm -hmm. right? which is it's usually a sign of isolation, a little bit of mental health may be going on to recognize oh, my friend's doing that thing. My partner's doing that thing. What's enough appropriate space? And when do I lean in and, you know, call call up a, a potluck and a singing party? Like, when? how do I reel them out? What is their right. love yeah. language out of that? Right? So when and you say consent, yeah. when you say consent, you're talking mm -hmm. about, Having so much self-awareness that you know something might be coming up and I'm asking for you to uh, hold space for me, right? Yeah. And of course, there's also the reverse, like you are ready to hold space for them when needed. I mean, I, I know the term. I'm, it's it's um, It takes a pretty evolved person to hold space without, as you said, you know, putting their stuff into the conversation and judging and planning your re response to that conversation. That's a pretty evolved uh, person who can do that. Um, so, and, and I wanna, honestly, Melissa, it really, really hit me when we spoke before, how much amazing self-awareness you have and how you are, how that helps so much in your daily life, right? 
And, and that's not, I'm so great. That's, that's, I know my weaknesses. I know my shadows. I know when I'm about to get triggered. I know when something might happen. And it's just a profound thing. I think your level of self-awareness. You know, I, we keep coming back to my mother. I I mean, I talk about her all the time anyway. Um, (laughs) But I remember asking her like how a trip was one time she went, I don't know, somewhere. She's always going on these amazing, you know, things for herself. And I said, how was your trip, mom? And she said, I got some great inventory done. I'd, I'd never heard this term, right? Because in my head, like my father owns a factory. So doing inventory at the factory is like counting boxes, you know? Right. And so I'm like, inventory, no one wants to do inventory. Like right. <laughs> the factory wants to do inventory. And I remember thinking about embracing that personal inventory and you know when you don't do it for I think at the time maybe I was in my mid-20s so there's there's enough there if you've never done it in your mid-20s and you know to to think that some people go their whole lives without having permission to do their own healing inventory or going, I forgot about that scar. Is it really healed? Mm-hmm. Let me really, you know, and then with the neural sculpting science, finding out that we can rewire that experience for ourselves. Yeah. Um, we can, we can fill in that brain matter and create a new neural pathway for it to go that some people say, oh, well, it's just head in the clouds. You know, you're, you're taking your trauma and you're pretending, well, no, it's going to the root and analyzing and saying, how did you actually serve me wound? I know better. Do I trust more? Do I trust less? Can I love again? Can I be reborn? And every, every seven years, science, more science, kids. Every seven years, our cells regenerate themselves. Completely, right? Completely. So I did an experiment. And my seven years is coming up, Myrna. (laughs) That what if I took this addictive gene and I, I identified it? Oh, I have it from both sides of my family. Well, lucky me. Okay, now let's really work it. What if I can rewrite my story and my relationship to alcohol? One very specific thing. What does it mean to drink, to get drunk? What, you know, what is that? All the inventory in my hippocampus, all the times. And that has helped my sobriety so much to reassess the story and help it move where I want it to go. Mm-hmm. So at first, you know, you have that knee-jerk reaction of like, oh, well, I just, this is what I do. Hey, I got a job. Let's drink. Yeah. You know, oh, I got this awesome gig opening up for my hero. Oh, let's have a drink. Oh, I lost that job. Mm, let's have a drink broke up with my girlfriend. Let's have a drink. Right. And so I was like, man, every happy, every sad, every football game, 
you know, every birth, every funeral. Wow. What if I did the opposite? So I use the neural sculpting technique um, by Lisa Wimberger. Hi, friend Tor. And it is almost seven years. And my cells are almost completely regenerated. And as I do my inventory and I share this one little square of my life with you, I am completely a different person than seven years, almost seven years ago. The need and the desire for self-destruction, um, won't say it's totally gone because I'm an artist, but it is definitely watered down, right? Definitely watered yeah. down. Or just uh, assessing, oh, I see myself doing this. Okay, well, don't get too close to the edge this time. Yeah. You're also talking about converting our pain, our addictions, our um, hurts and scars, you know, transmuting them in, into the gold, right? Into the gold of our lives. I know that you have learned so much from that whole experience and you're, a, as you said, a different person actually, which like physically as well, after the seven years of regeneration of your body, that's so cool. And so, you know, I think that's just one of the magical keys of personal growth is, is learning how to do that. And then having that level of self-awareness that, you know, what, what the gold is that came from your, you know, your, your pain. Yeah. One of my friends says, make your pain, your passion and your purpose. Yeah. 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 Because it's where it's what it's where the light gets in, right? The scars and the cracks is where the light gets in. Everybody says it roomy and you know, Leonard, yeah. uh, who else? Uh, <laughs> all these different artists. There's so many songs about that, but it's true and it's so beautiful. Um, I think of that Kensuki Japanese art, exactly. Where they intentionally, you know, take a broken piece, a cup, a mug. And yeah. they put it together and they seal it, the cracks in with gold. And so yeah. it's even more beautiful because it's it's been through some. <laughs> yeah, and literally lined, lined with gold now. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you want to summarize what you would tell your younger self. What would you, what are you telling your younger people who are looking up to you now? Um, what life lessons, you know, would you like to share? You know, I just did a beautiful workshop with Girls Inc. at Regis and, and uh, no one was on the campus, so it felt like our campus. And I really wanted them to get this nourishment and this knowledge outside of the fluorescent lights in a classroom, in a room. And I, I want to invite more dreamers. I want to invite these younger folks, like even if it's 15 minutes a day, I dare you. I challenge you. I encourage you. I invite you to turn off your screens, turn them off, not even just like turn them down and like, you know, yeah. turn it completely off and look at the, look at the dirt. <laughs> Look at the bugs. <laughs> Go make a bird friend. You know, watch a squirrel. I don't like notice the trees. 
invite yourself to be astounded and amazed by a sunset because these kids don't want to wake up early and Uncle Mel don't either. So <laughs> I'm not getting out of bed for that sunrise most of the times, you know. But invite yourself to be a part of nature. Invite yourself to rewild maybe just your feet, maybe yeah. just your hands, or maybe just your ears and enjoy slow eyes. Get your bare feet on the ground, do some grounding, get the energy of the earth, which is actually our healthy resonance, right? It's, it's literally vibrating at the healthiest resonance for our bodies. And how the moon? Because it feels good. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, it feels good. Like, I feel like people go into nature, oh, I'm going to go for a hike. And they people go into nature, but they, and they don't realize how healthy it, literally how healthy it is for their bodies, like scientifically proven, right? It's just sort of a, oh, I, 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 went, I feel good because I went in nature. But there's a reason for that. Yeah, you're it's, supposed to have the oxygen. You're supposed to, you know. Feel yeah. the stream of the water. You're supposed to be in wonderment of the dragonflies. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I love it. Um, I want to ask you something. You referred to yourself as Uncle Mel. Yes. And, and, and I love it. I want to just ask about the, you know, being a two-spirit artifice. Can you share more about that? Because um, what I love is, I, th I think you have this beautiful blend of sacred masculine and sacred feminine that is balanced and that perhaps we all should have in our own way. Uh, does that resonate at all? Yeah. So I first heard the term two-spirit um, from a young indigenous person. And I'll just thank them that you know who you are. And they were so in their power, in their essence, so sure of themselves in, in this workshop that we were doing. And I was like, wait, Two-Spirit, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't know, you know, what that is. And they explained themselves so eloquently and so dignified. And I thought, that's what I am. If only someone would have given me language and would have recognized, like it almost, it almost brings tears to my eyes because how much pain it would have saved me to be recognized um, and, and nurtured in that way. And I felt so excited for this young person who just knew it at like 14, 15 and so I did so much research about it and, you know, found out about the, you know, the first powwow where it was introduced and it was recognized and, and you know, these people were celebrated for the, the way that I had been hiding, um, the way that I felt for life. And so now uh, to be out to be, you know, it's coming out day to be out about it and to be prideful and not feel um, like I'm an imposter or inferior or not native enough or not good enough or queer enough or two spirit enough or, or dark enough. Right. Um, 
but where I, I feel like I'm coming into my true like essence and power as a two spirit, because I don't know, even in that coming of age ceremony in Haiti, I didn't quite feel woman. Right. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, now I guess I, I am this kind of woman. I'm coming into my womanhood, but I always felt like a part of me was just not there, not recognized, not able to be out closeted, um, hidden from myself even, right? Yeah. And so being able to speak up and speak out about it and identify what that means for myself, identify what it means for other two spirits, um, it's true acceptance of your divinity. And I don't have to dissect myself anymore for someone's palate. So for me to not only, you know, like fashion is such a like low level kind of thing, but I think a lot of people focus on it. Like, oh, I notice you're dressing more masculine or I notice you're dressing more feminine. Okay. I recognize um, your two spiritness, but it's, it's not about the fashion. It's not about the clothes or the lipstick. Um, it's really about celebrating the true essence. And you said, you know, the balance, I'm still trying to find the balance. And on certain days, it serves me to be in touch with my divine femininity and go to a conversation with a little bit of that wisdom, right? And then when I'm, for example, working with uh, future fathers or future co-parents, and I can match that energy level of masculine of, wow, you're a co-parent. What, what is that essence? Let's, let's, let me meet you where you are. Yeah. So it doesn't mean I'm, I'm changing myself for these people, but it's truly me showing up authentic um, in service. You know, you're speaking to, I think, true authenticity of yourself. Again, self-awareness and being recognized for who you really are. Um, you know, it's that, and, and the fact that we are all divine, right? As we are, not as somebody else wants us to be, you know, that we have that divinity and we, we have that. The more we are authentically ourselves, which is not easy to figure out, you know, who we are. I think I'm, you know, I'm still working on it. I'm a little older than you, sister. <laughs> But it's really important. So um, we have one question for you here. Let's do that. And yes. then I'd love it if you'd give a little, maybe just a little half a song or as much as we can do. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Here's the question. Um, I understand Harmony Voices has a new partnership with Greenhouse Connection in the yes. Illyria community. What wor workshops uh, do you plan on doing there? Great question. Yes. Uh, insider information coming at you right now. Musical Gula <laughs> is going to be bringing some yoga nidra, that's right, guided meditations, and prenatal herbalism and indigenous folk medicine classes. That's right. I have. I am really devising and uh, I, have, I have a vision and a goal in mind. And right now I am just pulling back the arrow and planning and plotting for this community interaction. And so I really wanted to come down to Taos, 
take some time in these waters. And like my mother, what does this opportunity want through me, right? Mm -hmm. So I really want to bring organic food medicine, um, herbs that I've been growing in my garden um, for new and growing families. And I also want to invite the youth, BIPOC, LGBTQ, to come and create our own rituals. Because we can look at so many other cultures in appreciation, appreciation, and say, what you're doing over there is beautiful. I'm inspired by it. And in respect, I want to create my own ritual, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not appropriation. I'm taking that and now it's mine, right? Right. So I want to be uh, active in altar building, in ritual creation. Um, When Jimi Hendrix was smashing that guitar, he did not know that he was creating a ritual, right? He didn't, I don't know if he thought about it. Like, let me put some lighter fluid here. And like, maybe he was just full of that essence. So in that rock and roll uh, medicine, you know, futurist spirit, I want us to take our inspirations. I want us to dream and I want us to create not only community in the community center, but community ritual. Yeah, that's beautiful. Coming of age ceremonies, even if you're 35. (laughs) Yeah. And you never got celebrated as who you are. Right about space. Authenticity. I love it. Those workshops sound amazing. And how do we find out about them or contact you? Do you have a website you want to share or anything like that? Yes. Um, I'll be posting the schedule once I get together with Harmony in Harmony. So you can stay tuned on my socials, uh, Melissa Ivy underscore music, I think it is, at Instagram, on Facebook at Melissa I-V-E-Y. And of course, on the Her Many Voices website. So hermanyvoices.org. Yeah, great. Can you tell us a little bit about that song real quick? And then it's it's really time to wrap up. But what I'm thinking is share about the song and then you can sing. And then if people need to step off, they, they can, of course. But I'd like to continue recording for a few more minutes. Yeah. So in a nutshell, um, I wrote the Her Many Voices song by uh, copying my mother's uh, homework. And she was putting together the first, I think, pamphlet ever for her many voices. And she just got the name and we didn't quite have, you know, all the things. But she had this pamphlet and it said, all the lyrics, what are you missing in this life? Despite our numbers as women, we lack visibility. When all our resources are drained, Who owns the power and who will take the responsibility? Mm. We still have our stories. We still have our songs. We can build a new world with our many voices, with her many voices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And her many voices is her. The her is Mother Earth. So one thing my mother says, and I'll leave you with this is if you were born on earth, raise your hand, wherever you are, go ahead and just raise them up. (laughs) Okay, many of you out there. Okay, a couple aliens. 
I too was told that I was born on this earth. So if Mother Earth is my mother and Mother Earth is your mother, doesn't that make us all siblings? Mm, yeah. And you wrote that for your mother for Mother's Day, right? Yep. 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 Awesome. So will you please sing something for us also? We'll just keep going a tiny bit longer, maybe three or four minutes longer, as long as... Um, okay? I'll do the future ancestors theme. Okay. If anybody sure. would like to leave any comments, we'll stay a few more minutes. Um, okay. Thank you. Oh, my sisters, oh, my brothers, come together, build a future. Oh, my sisters, oh, my brothers, join the elders by the fire. Build the future, build the fire, build the future by the fire. Build your future, build the fire, build the future by the fire. Oh, my sisters, oh, my brothers, come together. Build the future, oh, my sisters, oh, my brothers, join the elder. Be the future. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Mel. Thank you so much for the music and thank you for joining us and sharing your wisdom. We are we are so grateful and you are wonderful. Keep doing everything you're doing, right? Thank, thank you. you all so much. Thank you, Marina. It's a privilege. It's a Everybody privilege. Have a beautiful, to be beautiful Indigenous Peoples Day. And whatever you need to come out of the closet for, do it. Today is your day. I believe in you. I believe in you. You can do it. Much love and many blessings. Thank you so much. Her many voices.